Today's reading comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, and pretty much all the verses, verses 1 through 16. And it reads, And I, when I come to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty, lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I, and I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not of a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and a, and a hidden, hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed from the ages of, uh, uh, for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. But we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understand the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Today I want to talk about um, the value of Christ reigns in word and spirit. Christ reigns in word and spirit. I did not know that John was going to say something exactly like pertaining to, I was like, did, okay, I, I did not tell him to say that. I didn't like make him go, okay, John, say this, okay? But what he said in his words about, um, about, our, our, uh, you know, about his heart for our church as he is up for elder candidacy is exactly the subject matter of today that we are a church that doesn't only depend on God's word, but we also lean into his spirit. We trust in God's word by his spirit, and we, we follow and, are, um, and we have the power of the spirit by God's word. They flow into each other, okay? So it's not one versus the other, they're together. And that's tremendously important to understand how Jesus reigns over our church. Just, it's very important that you understand. I know that this sounds like some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of pastor talk, okay? Um, I 100% believe that the real leader of this church is Jesus. It's not Susan, okay? It's not Su I I've been appointed to be your lead pastor, and some of you are like, who leads revival? Isn't it Susan? No. I believe Jesus leads this church. It is not me. It is not young. It is not even going to be any of your elders. 
But all of us are going to be lieutenants under Jesus. And how does Jesus Christ reign over this church? By word and spirit. Okay? By word and spirit. So let's get into it. We're in a big passage today. It's a long passage. It's kind of like a, a complex passage. But it's so profound. It is such an incredible word that is relevant, not just to Christians, but just to people. So if you're not even, you're not, you don't even consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I hope today's message actually be interesting to you because it's super relevant to just being a human being, okay? So part one, the problem of word and spirit. The problem of word and spirit. When I say word and spirit, I don't mean capital W, word, like word of God, and capital S, the Holy Spirit, spirit. I mean small w, small s. The problem of words, small words, like our words, and spirits. I'm talking about human spirits. That's part one, okay? Part two, the secret thoughts of God. This passage talks about there's a pathway into the secret thoughts of God. It's a crazy thing the pastor says. We're going to address that today, right? Part three, the Holy Spirit and what the heart of man imagines. There's an incredible portion in this passage. It says, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. And this passage and the Holy Spirit is getting at that, okay? Part one, the problem of word and spirit. Um, this passage talks a lot about the Holy Spirit, but before it gets into it, this is chapter two out of the book of 1 Corinthians. And chapter one is incredibly famous and, and justly so. And I, won't, I can't go into all of that, but I just want to tell you about one thing chapter one is about. It's about human wisdom. The Corinthian church is, is uh, one of the most important global port cities of, you know, the civilized world at the time. So it's a lot like this city. It's a lot like Silicon Valley. And it was filled with the smartest and most talented people who would come to Corinth to do their business and to get rich. And it was filled with people who are always looking for wisdom. Very multi-ethnic, very global. They wanted the highest education. Who were the smartest people? And the way this book just starts off is there's a place in there that says that God, by his wisdom, destroys, by his wisdom, says that you cannot know God by your wisdom. It's crazy. That's, what, that's the way it goes. And it says that God, in his wisdom, intends to destroy the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the wise. So if you're joining us today and you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I want to just start off here. There's a lot of people today who think that they're, they're like, okay, you know, I need to start thinking about the religions. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm open-minded, and I hope that many of you are. And you think that you're going to use your smartness and your wisdom to figure out which is the right religion, and you're going to get God through your wisdom. That's not going to work. <laughs> it's never going to work. It says very, very clearly in the Bible that God says, by his wisdom... You will not get to God by your wisdom. And so what this chapter, as we go, is going to, I know it's a, a, sec, a chapter two, but when Paul wrote it, there was no chapter two, okay? Like those chapters and verses come like a thousand years later, okay? So when Paul wrote this, 
there was no chapter two. He's just writing. He just goes right in. So that point that he starts off the book with about verse, about the wisdom is not your pathway to God. He says, that's what we're picking up today. And I want to just start off here. He says this. I want to give you verse two and then jump to verse six. Verse two. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to just share with you a little bit about what I think he means by that. Which is, when I showed up and hung out with you, I wasn't interested in if you were rich. I don't care what you got your degrees. I don't care if you have nice clothes. What I was interested in you is do you have Jesus Christ and him crucified in you? That's what I'm interested in. He's interested in the gospel. And that right there, that verse, he's saying this is what is going to get you past this idea of how smart you are. This is what I'm interested in. And um, I want to just say, some of you think that like you come to this church and you're, you know, everybody, you go out into the world and you kind of want to impress people, right? It's, that's what our city is like. And um, in our church, and I want to say this before, especially before all our elder, elder candidates, I hope this is the way we will always be. All right? I decide to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, that's a clue to where he's going. And you go to verse 6. Verse 6. This is what he says. Now, remember, he just pretty much said, by the wisdom of God, you cannot know God through wisdom. Not your wisdom. And that God is going to destroy human wisdom. He already said all that. And then he says this, all right? Verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. It's not a wisdom of this world. It's not a wisdom of the people who are strong. It's not a Stanford kind of wisdom. It's not a Harvard kind of wisdom. It's not a Democrat's wisdom. It's not a Republican wisdom. It's not an American wisdom. It's not a worldly wisdom. But there is a, there is a wisdom that we impart. And he goes on to say this. Verse 7. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which we impart, which God set out even before the whole world, and it was for your glory. Can you just think about that for a moment? So many of you go to school, you go through training, you get certificates, and you want to go out into the world and say, see, I have this glory. I'm an awesome coder. See, I have this glory. I have this really great degree. See, I have this you know, glory, it's on my resume. That's why you should hire me and give me a lot of money, okay? Because I'm glorious in that way that you want and you should, you know, like you should like choose me because I have that. But actually the Bible says that God has a different secret and hidden wisdom for your glory. It's from God, okay? Now I want to get into, from this point, this is the setup where I want to get into this problem. Because from here, you know where he starts? He's, he then goes on a big discourse about the Holy Spirit. And I want us, before we get into this part about the Holy Spirit, I want to just 
first just make it, very, let's be very human. Because the problem of words and spirit, you know, we have words and spirit. You, there's no way you can be a human being without words and spirit. Everybody is filled with words and you are attracted to certain kind of words and you believe in certain words and you hate other kind of words. And you have a spirit inside of you. There's a power. There's an energy. There's something inside of you that's always moving in this direction and not that direction. Okay? And that's a spirit of a person. And let me just give you this um, uh, uh, tip. Okay? As a pastor, <laughs> um, when I was a really young man, I used to go, how do you pick up a person's spirit? What is that? That just felt very like, um, I don't know, like some kind of like, so you have to have to, you have some kind of special like insight. And you know what the Bible, and I, I've said this to you before, but I, you've probably forgotten. Jesus himself says, out of the overflow of a man's heart is what, how he talks. <laughs> so you know what's inside of a person's heart? It's his or her spirit, their energies, their loves, their hatred, the things that make them tick. That's your spirit, okay? And then, you know how you can figure out what that spirit is? It comes out of their mouth. Whatever's in their heart, filled with their spirit, it'll come out of their mouth. That's what Jesus says. So if you really want to pick up a person's spirit, listen to what they say. Listen to what they say, okay? Now let's get into the problem of word and spirit. Here's the problem, and everybody knows it, but let me just like lay it out here. People say words, and then their spirit doesn't fit the words. That's the problem I'm talking about. They say these words. Those are, oh, those are really good words. That sounds really, really good. But then you get into their inner spirit, and you're like, huh? What, what, what is that? What, you, what makes you tick? What is inside of you and what you love and where you're always going to? It doesn't fit the words. So just give, just give a couple examples here. So ladies, I'll give a little bit of dating advice, okay? You meet a man, and he tells you you're so beautiful. He says he loves hanging out with you. He says he, would, he, he, he just needs you, and you're, you're like the greatest thing for him. That's the words. Those are the words. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. I need you. I'm going to love you. I'll be there for you. I'm going to do everything for you, okay? Those are the words, okay? They're in all the songs, Okay, if you hear them on, on, on dates, or at least I hope you've heard them on dates. But we all know sometimes those words are junk. Okay, we know those words are junk. You're like, that's not true. And how do you figure that out? Because you just watch his spirit. That's what you do. His spirit is what controls him. His spirit is what's deep inside of him. You know, it's really strange. Human beings are so weird that you have this thought in your head and you totally believe it. But then there's something deeper inside of you which is stronger than these little thoughts that are going on in your, like, in your conscious mind. And that spirit is the real you. You know that? The spirit is the, the deeper thing in you. So, ladies, if you pay attention to this guy and... You know, he says to you, oh, you're so beautiful, I love you, you know. And then when you're on the date, he like picks this thing up and he's like, when you're talking about your life, he's like, okay, you know, he's, he's doing this. That's his spirit. <laughs> That's his spirit. 
His spirit is like broken apart from the words. There's so many versions of this. Um, in America, we have these words, very, very important words about what it means to be American. One nation under God, indivisible, indivisible. Like you cannot divide America. With liberty and justice for all. Okay? And then you go out to America and you pick up their spirit. All these different American spirit. And then, first of all, God. What the heck is God? <laughs> so you're like, okay, I guess those words don't matter. Even though people stand up in front of a flag, they put their hand over their heart, they say those words. They say those words. And then it's like, God, nothing. Okay, God, I don't even know he exists. God, I hate God if he even exists. And then there's people who love liberty, but not justice. And then there's people who are like all about justice and they don't care about liberty. And then, of course, there's people who put their own definition of liberty and their own definition of justice has nothing to do with America and nothing to do with American history. And then they just kind of made this stuff up on their own and then that's their spirit. And their spirit is like spreading all around America. It's breaking our country. Word and spirit. And of course, there's a spiritual Christian version of this. And that's what this passage is actually getting at. Because what Paul is saying, I mean, it's, it's a tough thing he's, he's getting at. Because he loves the Corinthian church. They're filled with gifts. They're filled with smart people who really love Jesus. But he also sees tremendous hypocrisy in them. And he sees inside of them, you know all the words, but your spirit, your spirit is a, like a, it's a hypocritical spirit. So one of the things he's criticizing is, it says this, some of you say, I'm of Paul. No, I'm of Apollos. No, I'm of Peter. And then they hate each other. They look down upon each other. They break down. So, that's, so they say, we believe in Jesus. But then but what's really important is I belong to Peter, not Paul. And so they judge each other because they think the Peter theology or the Peter being their pastor is superior to having Paul as their pastor. And then thus, it's more important to them to have one guy be like, I'm in the superior group, not those guys. And you know what that's showing? The Bible talks about Jesus Lord over the church. And his spirit is supposed to be over his people. But then you meet people and they have these words that they're supposed to believe and then they have these ugly hypocritical spirits. That's the actual thing that you meet. And so many people today, why they won't, I think there's a lot of people that are hungry for God, but they're very suspicious of church. <laughs> In fact, some people are hungry for God, but they hate church. Maybe some of you who are listening today, this is where you're at. Why? Because of the problem of word and spirit. These words, but then the Christian, the Christians who believe in the words, who say they have the words, their spirit is a phony, hypocritical thing that doesn't fit the words. In fact, if you actually get into the, it's such a deep issue, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see Jesus' ministry, do you know who he hates? You've heard of him. He hates his people called the Pharisees. And you know the Pharisees? Oh, they know the words. They know the Bible inside out. But then when they meet a person who they dislike, they use the words in some twisted kind of way to 
than not actually follow the spirit of the words in the Bible about how you should have love and joy and compassion and forgiveness and humility before God. And so instead, I'm right. I'm so smart. Those people are bad. And then they split and divide and judge using their self-righteousness, a spirit of their self-righteousness. But because they know the words so well, oh, you know, I know all the words, they're kind of like, de- they're deaf to Jesus. They're deaf to God himself. I mean, God himself is standing right before their face, talking to them, and his spirit is coming off of them. And then when he says his words from their spirit, they hate him. Because they may have words, but this spirit is like their actual spirit is making them deaf to Jesus himself. And if people are like that, they can become very, like that kind of self-righteousness is like one of the most ugly things in the world. And it doesn't matter if it's inside the church, which is especially bad version if it's inside the church. But out in the world, it's, you know, it's bad, you know, in politics. It's bad if your boyfriend is trying to lie to you. <laughs> you know, he says he loves you. But all he cares about is like your looks and that you look really good when you're next to him and he cares about how you make him feel. Nothing about how he actually loves you. So that's the setup, okay? And now let's go to part two and I want to tell you about this secret and hidden wisdom of God, okay? Let's go to part two. The secret thoughts of God. How do we get to what is in God and then it's in you? And the answer he gives is this. So here we go, listen. Verse 9. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. This is what God actually wants to put in you. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. How does the secret thoughts of God, the power of God, the life of God come into you through the Holy Spirit? Verse 10, let me continue. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. So I want to tell you a little something about this. Uh, I want to tell you a little something about how I operate as a pastor. This chapter, this portion I just read, I'm telling you, it's strange. There's a lot of pastors I know, they don't really operate according to this. I'm not trying to get all bad on pastors or whatever, okay? But this is the Bible's way of saying how God gets at the deepest things of God. And um, when I was a young pastor, I didn't get this. Because I, I was just, you know what? You know how I tried to pastor people? I tried to pastor people using my wisdom. <laughs> I would read these books to go, if I did this, this will work. And then I will like, I will use my, I will use my smarts and my cleverness. And then they'll get, they'll get them to follow Jesus. 
That'll get them to be interested in church. That'll get them to like repent of their sins. And, when, and you know what I've mostly found out? That's not true. <laughs> that mostly doesn't work. They're mostly, there's no power in it. And here it is right there in the Bible. You know what you all, a lot of you, if you show up at church, I hope this is what you're looking for, okay? When you show up at church, I know a lot of you, you come to church with all kinds of things on your head and in your heart. One week you may show up and you're in a really good mood because, you know, the 49ers won or something like that, okay? Or you're in a really good mood because your wife was nice to you that week. Or you're in a really good mood because it looks like your boss is going to promote you or something like that. And then sometimes you just come to church and you feel really, really bad. You're not even really thinking about God. You're just kind of moping in the church and you, you, you look like this. See, I'm okay. I'm okay. You're okay. But inside, you look like this. You look, that's your actual spirit. Your actual spirit inside of you looks like, like you're, you're, you're broken and hurting. And um, what I'm looking for, and I hope that you're looking for this too, is that when you show up here, you actually want this very strange thing, the secret thoughts of God. It's really weird. It actually says that here in the passage. It's crazy. It's actually really quite crazy. All right? Um, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And we understand the things freely given us by God. Right? Um, oh, gosh. Let me, let me get the right portion. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. No one gets the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You know what I'm hoping will happen every single week, and I pray happens, is that I will give the Word of God, and you walk in looking for God, and then I'm just some dumb dude that talks, but I'm talking the Word of God. I'm teaching you from the Bible. That's God's Word. And at the center of the Bible is Jesus Christ crucified, the Gospel, which is the central center of the center of the, all of, of God's thoughts. And then when I preach this, you are hearing the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping happens. The Holy Spirit, who knows the thoughts of God, will impart into your mind and into your heart the thoughts of God. What he calls the secret, what the Bible calls the secret and hidden wisdom of God before all the ages, which God had already had a plan to impart. Impart means, you know, impart means it's going to kind of come into you somehow. And you know, it doesn't mean you're going to just sit there and like, boom, and then like, like now the secret hidden wisdom of God is impart. That's not how it works. You know how it comes? It comes from the Bible. <laughs> that's how it comes. It comes from the Bible. Because that's God's Word. But the problem with so many people is we're so used to phony words. We're so used to dead words. Someone says some word, one nation under God, invisible, blah, 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 blah. And today, this is really, really sad to say, one nation under God, indivisible, 
with liberty and justice for Republicans? <laughs> for white people? No, for all. It's like today, that's a dead word. Those are like, those words are dead. Like human beings say so many junk words. <laughs> and our spirit are so hypocritical and we're such phony, lying, like faithless spirits that we just don't like words, uh, words, whatever. And we're so, we become cynical. But that's not how God is. God has words. Those words They'll never fail. Those words are from him. And they have his thoughts. They have a secret and hidden wisdom which intends your glory. Far greater than anything that can come from your school or from your looks or from your smarts or from your resume for a glory that takes you into the very center of of the thoughts of God. In fact, in this passage, it says the mind of Christ. It says the natural people, they don't get it. The natural man, they, they don't get it. And what that means is if you're not a Christian and you don't believe in Jesus, then you haven't had the Holy Spirit come into you. That's why you just meet all these people and they're like, okay, well, I'm so glad that works for you. That's very polite, I know. But the passage says they're natural. They're not going to get it. They don't get it. Why? Because their spirit is not interested in God. <laughs> their spirit is, well, I'm smart. Do I really need that God stuff? I sure don't know if I need Christianity. And I, why would I listen to this preacher? It's church. I don't like church. Even though the Bible, God, he loves church. See? So that's how the natural man thinks. And I'm not trying to, like, get on you if you are not a believer. That's just normal. <laughs> it's just normal human pride fallenness, and self-blinding, self-foolishness, which we call wisdom. But then something special happens and your life shakes. And you begin to think, you know that thing called sin? My goodness. That's not like if I just have a couple of bad thoughts. It's like, man, I can't stand my husband. Man, I don't really want to be a mother anymore. Because being the mother makes me feel really bad because I don't think I'm good at this. And so I kind of wish I didn't have to deal with my kids. And then you go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's really bad. And so you know, you, we walk out into the world and you have good words to say about being a mother. You have good words to say to your children. You have good words about you know, you're trying to believe, but the words are so broken and then your spirit is filled with something dark and terrible. And maybe when you come to church, for the first time, you are think, you don't, you're not even sure if it's God, but now this word, this, this word about Jesus Christ crucified for you. Suddenly you're going, could, could that be real? Is that true? Is that the answer I need for my spirit? And my spirit, which is really, really bad, that I need? Maybe. And then you take a chance. And you give your life to Jesus. And when you, when, right after that happens, you say, Jesus, please forgive me. 
By the way, there's no real tricks to accepting Jesus, okay? This is all you have to do. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you. Please, please take me. That's it, okay? If you can say that to him, it's game on, <laughs> all right? That's it. It's like everything just changed. You're like, I, I, you, I, I didn't feel anything happen. It doesn't matter. I didn't see anything happen. Okay, that's your own wisdom. Your own wisdom is I got to get a feeling like I should start glowing. <laughs> I should start crying. Something should start happening because I didn't I just give my life to Jesus and get born again. So something should immediately happen. It did. But your wisdom might not pick it up. But you know what just happened? Jesus said, yes, I accept you. And then you know what he does? He puts the Holy Spirit in you. That's what happens. And then when you go to church, maybe the next week you go to church and you go kind of to your normal self filled with all your wisdom and all the things that you care about. You care about money. You're like, I, 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 believe, I believe in Jesus, but I really actually love money more than Jesus. <laughs> money, 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 money. Monday, Tuesday, money, 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 and then Sunday. Oh, wait, wait a second. Jesus, for about 20 minutes, you care about Jesus on Sunday. And then it's money, 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 getting, 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 okay, money, 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 okay, occasionally comfort, occasionally fun, occasionally 49ers, but mostly it's money, money, money. But then the Holy Spirit is in you, and you get these weird thoughts that you never had before, like maybe you love money, and it's bad, and Jesus loves you more, and you go, and you think it's you. <laughs> you think you're thinking those thoughts. You're a church. The church says something about money, and you're like, man, I shouldn't just love money all the time. And you think you're just, okay, I'm a sensible person. I'm just going to figure it out. Because in your wisdom, you can just figure these things out, right? No. What's happening is God's word is being said, and the Holy Spirit makes the words come to life. And it's now the Holy Spirit who is in you making the Word come to life. And now you're taking one step toward the secret thoughts of God. That's what's happening. And in this church, that is the most important action that will ever, ever happen inside this church. When I am always doing ministry, I'm always looking for that. I'm interested in your spirit and I'm interested to see if I can see the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And then the secret thoughts of God is shaping you. And you know what? If you believe in Jesus Christ and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so bad at this. I, I, always, I must find a way to like screw up the Holy Spirit all the time. The Bible calls it grieving the Holy Spirit. But here's a great thing. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, but he won't ever leave. Ever. And you could be really, really dense, and you could be really, really dumb, and you could be really, really selfish, but, and you could be even pharisaical. But if you trust in Jesus, even if you trust in him poorly, and the Holy Spirit is alive in you, the Holy Spirit will keep coming back and make his word come alive that I, I guarantee you that's going to happen and that's why our church constantly loves you by grace 
because we're always waiting for that to happen, and it will happen, okay? Now, let me close this message. The Holy Spirit and what the heart of man imagines. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what and know what no one's even imagined God is going to do. And how is he going to do it? Through the Holy Spirit. He's going to gift you with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to say a couple things. I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to close. Most of you, you live your life inside of your imagination. Do you know that? There's a world inside of your mind. What, and what you're thinking about inside of your mind, your imagination, that's where your spirit is. Okay? It's like the most important place. And occasionally, it's, it's, it's a secret thing, and you're like, you don't want to let anybody into that because you're maybe embarrassed about it. Or maybe you're afraid to let anybody into it. Or you're maybe, maybe you're like, well, if I tell people what I really care about, what I dream about, they'll just think I'm dumb. And so like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Or maybe like, this is what I hope will happen inside of me, but I'm too lame. That's never going to happen inside of me. So you even have a hard time believing what's happening inside of your imagination. Okay? And then sometimes you have this thing that you imagine, your eye, what no eye has seen, no ears heard. You have these things that you hear, your eyes see inside of your imagination, and you have these fantasies about yourself, how some man is going to fall in love with you, and then you're going to become the wife of a billionaire or something like that, right? Whatever. I mean, I don't know what the heck it is. Or like, you know, I, I always thought when I was young, I was going to go to get a top school, and then it's going to be a hot babe who's going to love me, and then I'm going to be like really rich and going to be awesome or something, something stupid like that. But that's pretty typical, right? But what no eye has seen nor ear imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And you know where the Holy Spirit's going to get in there and start messing with your imagination and start messing with what you see and what you hear from the secret thoughts of God through the gospel, okay? Can you trust that? Jesus came for this. Jesus came to be human and then he came to be crucified because that's what we deserve when we're so kind of despicable, hypocritical, self-righteous and our spirit is like nothing that goes along with our words. But he came to wash us and forgive us and so then you can just live your life however you want. No. So that what no eye has seen nor ear imagine he could put inside of you. And you know what he wants to put inside of you? The best that he has, which is the heavenly life of the divine God. And you know how that comes? From the Holy Spirit. That's how it comes. So, I'm going to say what it looks like if you believe this. And some of you are like, what it looks like is this. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to sound not that exciting, but actually, if you actually watch a person go into this, it starts getting really exciting. What it looks like is this. A person will want to believe in the Bible, and then they'll want to obey the Bible, and then they will want to obey Jesus, even sometimes when Jesus tells them to do crazy things, because they love him. That's it. <laughs> That's what it looks like. In the church, I'm always looking for that. I'm always looking for someone who's interested in what does the Bible say? Isn't this the mind of Jesus? 
and then I want to obey Jesus because I love him. Period. Period. Not because I'm a good Christian. Oh, because other people will then think I'm a bad Christian. Oh, because, you know, I should try to be a better Christian. All those are pharisaical judgments. No. They simply love him. And the Holy Spirit spurs them to seek him. Okay? Including when they're failing to obey him. Including when they're falling down and they're terrible at obeying him. They still, that's what's happening. That's that's where they want to go. Okay? Now here's the way I want to conclude. Some of you, I pastored for quite some time, and you think, that's the answer? That's where we are at, pastor? Man, I must not have much of the Holy Spirit in me because I'm not like that. <laughs> I, 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 I actually really like, like money and comfort and just kind of like, you know, want my wife to serve me. I don't want to serve her. <laughs> you know, I want my kids to just be okay, and then I don't have to work too hard, so then I can watch Netflix. That's kind of mostly what I'm like. So, but actually obey Jesus and follow what's in the words of the Bible because I love him. I, I kind of love him. So I want to close with the story because I think it'll help you because you need examples to see that I'm not, I, I, you know, I could tell you about some superhero, some, like some superhero Christian, but you just need a person who's not too different than you. And I tell you a story about a person who's not that different than you, but the Holy Spirit just started reshaping him. Okay? So, um, uh, Jane, I'm going to talk about your dad. Um, I'm going to talk about Jane Kim's dad. His name was Youngman Kim. And our church, I served in a church called Sounds of New Hope. A number of people were in that church. And I knew this deacon named Youngman Kim, right? And this is our, our sister Jane's father. And when I first met him, I thought he was strange. <laughs> I was like, this guy's weird, okay? Um, one, he's really, really smart. Very well educated, okay? And he, was a, he knew how to do business. He could think outside the box. He had all those things that the Silicon Valley smart person has. Wisdom of the world, right? But if you go to church, there was a ministry at New Hope Church at the time called Sarangjigi Ministry. And Sarangjigi Ministry served like about six kids who were developmentally disabled. They were like... So they had some melted illness or they had some developmental issue. So maybe they were like older, but, you know, they had physical problems. And, and there was a special worship service that people in the church volunteered for. For like in, in a typical Sunday, there might be six, eight, nine young people who are really broken, poor people. And you know who served that ministry with all his heart? Young man can in about 2011, um, um, he, um, he had a heart problem, and he passed away. I was there at the hospital. A bunch of people at the church were right there, including Jane. It was an awful day. Just thinking about that for this sermon was painful. It was painful. I miss him. Um, about a week or so later, he died, you know, on that table. 
because his heart was failing, you could watch the beep, 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 beep to flatline. It was hard. And then we had a memorial service. And at that memorial service, there was a young man, a younger man. He's, uh, young man Kim is, I don't know, he's like, I don't know, he's like not that much older than me, <laughs> maybe 10 or 12 years older than me. And, uh, and, um, and then, but he had a younger man who was like someone, he was his friend and he had mentored. And that guy was closer to my age. And he was close to him. And Deacon Kim really loved Jesus. And he came to church very faithfully, loved the Bible, loved serving the Bible. And obviously, he, he loved serving the weakest and poorest people inside the church. I mean, he, di he did it with great joy. Okay? So you're like, man, he's like some holy person. But then this man who was his younger, like a younger brother in Christ, and he was a, a person that he mentored as a business leader, started talking about how he had known Young Man for many, many years. And how he was brilliant, and he had a PhD, and he was going to come here, and he was going to start companies, and he was going to basically, you know, like be really successful Silicon Valley dream. Because he had all of it. He had the brilliance, he had the confidence, he had the charisma, he had, like, he, could, he, he had all of it. And you know what? It could have happened for him, but it didn't. Various things or another, his company broke. I don't exactly know the reasons. But it didn't exactly, he had some success, but he never had like Steve Jobs type success, okay? Even though I'm pretty sure he's just as smart as Steve Jobs, if not smarter, right? The version of Young Man Kim I met was like this. Every now and then, I meet somebody who's older in the faith. I mean, they're older than me. I've met them ever since I was young. I would grow up in the church, and I would meet these people. They'd be like this. Somewhere along the line, they believe in Jesus. Maybe they're 16 or 25 or whatever, and they started coming to church. At first, they were excited about Jesus. And then, then they got kind of bored of Jesus because their spirit was interested in something else in the world, making money, getting married, <laughs> you know, having kids, paying off my mortgage, whatever, okay? How are the 49ers doing? Their spirit was filled up with that. And then they get into their middle-aged years. Sometimes they have great success. Sometimes they don't. It's really interesting. Sometimes they have great success. And then they're like, wow, they were really happy for a little while, and then they're like, is that it? There's, where's the glory? Is this all there is? And they start looking for something else. And they remember this, that there's a secret and hidden wisdom of God, planned by God for their glory. <laughs> Sometimes it happens when they're at the top. And then the glory of the world goes like, Bleh. and sometimes it's when they're at the bottom. The glory, they fail the glory of the world, and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm a loser. I, I'm never going to amount to anything. But they're like, wait a second. They actually sit there at church, and they hear this thing that Jesus has prepared them for a glory by the Holy Spirit. And something starts to happen inside them. 
and they start to come to life. And you get this guy who's 45 or 50 or 55, and they, be, they get weird. And they start doing things for Jesus. Then they, they, they even their wife is like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> their kids are like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And they, because they've never seen their dad act like this. And what I want to let you know now is the story of Young Man Kim is your story. He's not some superhero. If you will seek the secret and hidden wisdom of God, the Holy Spirit will make the word come to life. This thing that Jesus has died for, for you. And then, like, life will start to fill with a new glory and you will start doing weird things for Jesus. Which you never imagined you would ever do. You never imagined even want to do. <laughs> you never imagined, yeah, I'm going to love serving developmentally disabled kids. And I get up in the morning like, yes, it's Sunday. It's time to serve my Jesus. This will happen to you. This is what Revive Church is all about. We're going to watch this happen. Not because this church is led by Susan or Young or because we got any tricks or any great wisdom. Because remember, by the wisdom of God, we are not going to get to God by wisdom. But because Jesus is Lord over this church. And when he reigns in this church, his word is preached. And then the Spirit is imparting the secret wisdom of God. And you will come to life in the glory God has planned for you. Can you believe that? Let's pray. Lord, it's an incredible thing that this is what you care about and that this is the drama that's happening inside of church. It happens on Sunday. It happens at GLF. It happens when we're doing our personal worship and just trying to read the Bible, even though we think we're bad at reading the Bible. It happens in life-on-life -life missional discipleship. It sometimes just happens when we're being quiet and your word, somehow, we just think it's just us. Something in our spirit, some word or promise from you floats into our mind and we don't realize that's your spirit. We need your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Cause us to repent. Cause us to believe you, love you, seek you. Embrace your word all the more. Help us not to grieve your spirit, but to cause the pleasure of God to flow from your spirit into us. So like Yongman Kim, we would do strange things that the world thinks is so weird. And we, have, we take no pride in it. We take no self-righteousness in it. We just do this with great joy and abandon because we have tasted of the glory of God through Jesus Christ imparted through the secret thoughts of God in the gospel. We pray that you would do this work in us and we rejoice when we see it. In Jesus' name, amen.